Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am so excited today to have the opportunity to chat with the one and only Matt Miller, who is going to share with us over the course of today's episode a little bit about his new podcast uh, that focuses in on the topic of blended learning. And so as that is, I think, a hot topic everywhere in education, as we look to capitalize upon the technology innovations that have come about in the last few years for a number of different reasons, we're excited to host Matt today. And so if you're not familiar with Matt, he has taught uh, in public schools uh, for more than 10 years, teaching all levels of high school Spanish. In his career, he's planned nearly 12,000 class lessons. Uh, he taught more than half a million instructional minutes, and he graded work for nearly 2,000 days of class. Uh, his blog, Ditch That Textbook, and five books have equipped and inspired tens of thousands of educators in more than 100 countries. He lives in West Central Indiana, actually kind of close to where I grew up, uh, and says that he's living the dream, happily married with three kids, three dogs, and a mortgage. So really uh, grateful that Matt has joined us today. And with that introduction, you obviously can tell that Matt has done a lot of work and effort and has a big heart for education, which is why I'm so excited to be able to have our chat. So Matt, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you're hearing all of those numbers about class lessons and instructional minutes and all that stuff, if you're listening to this and you are an educator who has taught roughly 11 years or more, that is you also. <laughs> all I did was I just took my 11 years in the classroom and just kind of reverse engineered all of those numbers. And so, uh, yeah, if you've been teaching for more than 10 years, you're pretty close probably to half a million instructional minutes too. That's kind of fun to extrapolate that out and uh, yeah. put that in some different context there. And so, uh, you know, as I alluded to from the top, Matt, I know you're a huge advocate for blended learning and uh, with the new podcast coming out, great opportunity for us to point people to that as a professional learning resource and for us to talk today about that very topic. And so share with us a little bit of the backstory that led to this podcast, because you had one previously. Yeah. So the podcast is called the Digital Learning Podcast, which I co-host with Holly Clark. And, you know, Holly and I have done some digital stuff together in the past as far as like doing some professional development and providing resources for teachers and all of that stuff. We both, you know, very much have, just like you do, Andrew, you know, a, a heart for doing this kind of work, making sure that good quality teaching can be done in face-to-face -face and digital environments, you know, kind of back and forth with each other. And we've all, I, I don't know, I always kind of feel like I am a better educator and I think better about education after I talk to Holly. And I think that she, I think she feels the same way about me anyway. So, um, so, you know, the, the more we talked about it, we thought, well, what if we have just like a weekly conversation about some of these things? I mean, things that we're hearing teachers talk about, the struggles that people are going through, some of the solutions that you can come up with and everything. And we've had an awful lot to say about and to share about this topic. And so we thought, hey, why not a podcast? So we started it, I think, at the point of the release of this podcast, we're five episodes in and we're just kind of like breaking down, you know, some of the building blocks of blended learning, some of the things that you need to know about it, what it is, what it isn't, that kind of stuff. And it's been fun. You know, I like to bounce things back and forth with Holly. Uh, we have this uh, fun section at the end of the show where we talk about some of our favorite things. You know, we talk about like, 
you know, something that we love at the moment, a tech tool, a lesson idea, like little stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of the, the podcast in a nutshell. Yeah. And so I guess it's important for me to sort of walk back a little bit of my introduction and say that digital learning by title there and this show has delved into blended learning specifically to start things out, along with an episode on digital citizenship, which I also appreciated and dovetails into that same conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe yeah. you speak to that broader term first of digital learning and the choice to name the show after that. Yeah, that was something, you know, we, we hear a lot of stuff about educational technology, and we could have certainly gone with like an ed tech type title, I think. But I think what we really wanted to do was, and this is something that I'm sort of seeing more broadly across education, and Andrew, maybe you're sort of seeing this too, is that um, there's seeming to be more and more of a shift towards what can we do with that technology? You know, for a long time, it, it was like, what are Google apps? What is this thing called Kahoot? You know, like, what are all of these technology tools or what are, are, are we going to use Chromebooks in class or are we going to use iPads? And it was like lots of focus on the technology and for good reason, because it was something new-ish, you know, technology in the classroom isn't anything like brand, brand new, but the widespread deployment of it across classrooms, I think was newer for a little while, but now I think we're starting to get a little more comfortable with it especially as we come out of remote teaching due to the pandemic, we have so many schools now that are one-to-one -one or have widespread deployment of technology across lots of their students. There's already a lot of schools that were doing that before, but now, I think especially now, there's lots of them. And as we start to get a little more comfortable with running class with technology in it, the question doesn't become what is the technology that's out there and what does it do? We're starting to get some answers to those questions. Now the question becomes, now that I have it and I'm familiar with it, how do I do great teaching and learning with that? And so instead of titling the podcast with the term educational technology, that sort of puts focus on the technology on the tool. We wanted to put the emphasis on the learning, you know, like how can we teach well? How can students learn well? And then digital learning, you know, it doesn't specifically say blended learning, but Holly and I, you know, behind the scenes are like, this is a podcast about blended learning. <laughs> that's, that's really what it is, you know? So we wanted to explore how digital technology melds nicely with like the face-to-face. -face. And, and that sort of goes to talking about what blended learning really is. I think, you know, the easy one-off answer to what is blended learning, oh, it's uh, technology with face-to-face -face instruction. And it is, you know, but there's a lot more nuance when it comes to how those things can weave together and how they can kind of like work together so that it's not like, okay, I'm going to take my lesson plan and I'm going to draw a line right down the middle. And this side's going to be the technology side. And this side is going to be the face-to-face -face side because it doesn't really work that way. I think early on in the early days of, you know, having computers in schools, it was kind of that way because you had lots of schools that had the computer lab, you know, like it was like Vegas, right? <laughs> what happens in the computer lab stays in the computer lab. It didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of crossover to what was going on in the classroom. It was like, okay, this is a one-off thing. This is our computer lab time. Now let's go back to class and do what we were doing before. And I think blended learning gets at the fact that all of these things crisscross together nicely. And what we're wanting to do is design great lessons. 
We're not trying to teach with technology and without technology. We're just trying to come up with the best solutions to help kids learn. And that's sort of what we're trying to get at, I think, with the podcast. Wow. I want to kind of reiterate a point that you made there and then delve further into blended mm-hmm. learning because we're getting really to some of that importance, which I heard about in one of the first episodes of your show. Uh, but mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you shared with regards to during pandemic learning scenarios, uh, there mm-hmm. were situationally districts that were not one-to-one that became one-to-one. And I think there were also places where one-to-one had existed maybe for quite some time who utilized their LMS for certain features within it that got really familiar and comfortable that during that season, new options had to be explored. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the learning that came out of that for both the people who were being onboarded and the people who maybe had been in that space for some time led to a different level of integration in lesson design. And with that has come a lot of really interesting practices uh, that has changed the conversations that we're having here, not necessarily in a drastic uh, move away from things like, you know, a part of what you're sharing a moment ago, I, I hearken back to Samer, right? <laughs> like <laughs> there's shades of that. Are, are we really yep. just leveraging this for something we could use a textbook, I should say, <laughs> since mm-hmm. you're on here, uh, or worksheets for? So framing it all that way. Yeah. Help us then press further into this idea of blended learning. And if we're not going to separate those two things out uh, in a computer lab, as you're talking about Vegas style or on this side of the ledger or the other, uh, what does that that integration start to entail? And and I know you had an episode on building blocks that I think maybe plays into it also. Yeah. I mean, I think that what we what we want to do it it all kind of goes back to some of the lesson design principles that we learned in our teacher prep programs and you know kind of from the beginning some of our like pedagogy 101 like that reverse lesson design that reverse unit design type of stuff where we start with the end in mind and then we work our way backwards and so as we start to do that if we ask ourselves you know like what is the end goal here What do we want students to be able to do, you know, to demonstrate that end goal? What are some things that students can do to develop the skills and to interact with the content to get to that end goal? How do we engage students in that from the beginning? You know, like, you know, some of those questions all throughout, how do they get practice? How do they explore content? Like all of that, as we come up with answers to those questions, I think technology can help us answer those questions better and can help position our students to learn well in all of those stops along the way, but then also putting the technology away and making the most of the face-to-face classroom can be um, the answer to that too. And that's really sort of what blended learning is all about is just picking the best options, you know? So for instance, you know, if I were uh, teaching a lesson and we're going to start digging into some new content about like history or we're getting ready to read a short story or a novel or something like that. We could certainly start with a little video clip or a provocative image that obviously uses some technology um, to have students kind of look at that. Then we could even go into one of those uh, thinking routines of a very simple like think pair share. Or I've heard a, a twist on that called the think pair square where you get together with a small group, you know, like with four, four total people. And so from there, 
once we've kind of like talked about what we've seen, then maybe we start to kind of explore that content by doing some keyword searches on our own about whatever it is that interests us. But then we come back together with the teacher and the teacher kind of like fills in the gaps and provides some foundational things that everybody needs to know. And hopefully if you're hearing this, you can kind of see how we're bouncing back and forth between the technology having a place and then not. And really that's one of the great principles of of really solid teaching anyway is contrast, right? You don't want to do the same thing over and over and over again. You don't want there to, to you know, to get kind of like stuck in a rut. You want to be able to kind of bounce back and forth between things. And so putting the technology away and having some face-to-face -face interactions with things and then picking it back up again kind of provides some of that contrast. So I think you know, there's a there's a couple of things there that that are some of the foundational pieces of that blended learning is that it's all sort of rooted in lesson design. What do we want to achieve and how can we get there? But then, you know, also that contrast, right? Trying to intentionally design class so that it keeps students engaged. And there and there are lots of pieces, you know, sort of lots of uh, building blocks that that go into that, I think, too. Well, and I think that's a pretty natural pivot then for us to talk about one of those building blocks, or maybe we can touch upon all six and then explore yeah. a couple of those in, in detail. And uh, as I listened to the podcasts uh, on the blended learning uh, building blocks that you and Holly recorded, uh, yeah. curiosity was one of those that I thought was a great dialogue and exploration of something you might not affiliate uh, with delving into this topic, right? This conversation, right. curiosity, where does that fit with, with right. technology? Yeah, yeah. That was episode three of the Digital Learning Podcast. And if anybody's listening to this, you can, you know, go listen to that. It's already published and ready to go and everything. And as Holly and I were preparing for that episode, we were like, what are some of the core building blocks, I guess, some of those core foundational pieces of good blended learning? And Holly came up with three and I came up with three. And these six building blocks, this isn't like saying, these are the only things that make good blended learning. You know, um, I kind of look at it like if you were building a house, you know, a house gets built on a foundation and so it makes me think of like cinder blocks. You know, I know not all the houses, a lot of them aren't built on cinder blocks anymore, but it's just, I, I kind of think of it that way. And it's like, there's lots of blocks that are put into place and there's a wide variety of them. And so it's not like saying that you, these are just six of the blocks, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and one of them that, that Holly picked was the one, Andrew, that you just mentioned, curiosity. You know, she was talking about how if you're learning something out on your own, just because you want to learn it yourself, it's probably because you're curious about it. You know, we go into Google searches about something that we want to get more information about. Um, I was just looking yesterday at uh, possibly purchasing a new computer. You know, your your computer starts to get slow and tired and a little out of date and everything, and it's time to start looking at it. So what did I do? It was time for me to learn. It's time for me to learn about computers, you know? So what did I do? I went to Google and I searched for, I'd just gotten done with some video editing tasks over the last week. And I know that that's the thing that puts the most strain on my computer. So, you know, I was looking for best computers for video editing. And I found some sketchy websites that I didn't totally trust. And I found some other ones that I thought I did trust a little bit more. And so I used that curiosity of, you know, what would be a great computer? It, it was it was all sort of driven by me, right? The point that Holly was making was 
we are naturally drawn to learning new things because it piques our curiosity in some way. And if we can design for students to either pursue things that they are curious about themselves, or we have them learn about something that we think that they might be curious about, you know, if there, there are those couple of ways to pull curiosity into, into lesson design and that, that that's kind of like designing for engagement. Right. Um, can I add something before we pivot to the next oh, one? Yes, I please. Around this out real fast. Yeah. I, um, I love that about curiosity and, and I, I wanted to add to the conversation around that too, thinking about mm-hmm. the resiliency piece that comes with that. When you're curious, you're going to, as you mentioned, engagement, but it also like keeps you in the task or on task uh, where th- through struggles, like you mentioned, like when you find the site that isn't the place that you should be looking for the right information. And then in addition to that too, I love thinking about when I get a new tool, sometimes the curious thing is how can I use this to be a creator, yes. to be the the builder of something? I know sometimes we make even games and that technology can uh, help facilitate those in a way that plays to those um, gamer types and the explorers get to be curious um, by navigating uh, maybe that element of a of lesson design too. So you're right, curiosity and technology uh, can really mm-hmm. boost curiosity, both in content and also experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, for sure. I agree. And, um, you know, sometimes if we introduce a new tool or a new type of assignment or something, there's a little bit of novelty that comes in it. I'd say curiosity and novelty kind of go together. It's like the, you know, what's new and exciting and different and how can we figure it out and everything. So yeah, I think all of those play together really nicely. Yeah. And sometimes that gives you opportunity for choice, right? And I know that's another piece that you talked about on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Choice. So Holly talks about choice a lot through the the context of what she calls explore boards, which I think are a really good example of, you know, a piece of lesson design related to blended learning that gives students, you know, some autonomy, some freedom, uh, that kind of thing. You know, she talks about pulling together a whole bunch of resources related to a topic that students need to study. And so whatever that is, you know, putting all of those into one place and then just saying, hey, go check these out. Go pursue whatever is interesting to you. Her example that she always leans on when it comes to those explore boards is she's curated a whole bunch of resources related to this novel called The Outsiders. It's one that she's taught for years and years. And so what she's done is she's pulled together lots of resources related to different topics that are tangential to the book, The Outsiders. So, you know, there's some related to cars. uh, There's some related to fashion. There's some related to the economy and the history and like all of the things that kind of touch on that, that book, where if you read any of those resources, you would get a better understanding of, you know, the key topics and the people and the issues surrounding the book. But you don't have to read all of them. That's kind of the point, you know? So she'll give students this board and one of them, one student might go read one entire article, top to bottom, the whole thing. Another student might watch a couple of videos. Another student might watch the beginning of a video and go, no, this isn't what I thought it was and jump off to something else and kind of like taste a variety of different things without going through, you know, without devouring the whole thing. And so you have students kind of like bouncing around to all of these resources And what I love about it is that whenever you have a discussion in the future, you you get done reading a certain chapter and the teacher asks a question and the students are responding either, you know, face to face or digitally or, you know, however, 
you have different kids that are experts on different things because they've read different resources. So now everybody has a little bit of a different perspective to add to it. And so that's where that choice can kind of like enrich classroom conversations. It helps students pursue things that they're a little more passionate about, makes their education a little bit more relevant. So choice, you know, I, I think choice is a really good block as well. Yeah. And I love that too, because that's very much in line with that uh, never work harder than your students mantra, where that that process sounds incredibly familiar to me, right? Like as a lesson designer myself, typically that's what I would go through is I'm going to go online. I'm going to watch some videos. I'm going to research across a myriad of different, you know, both in hand texts, but also digital sources. And then usually we curate that all down into some sort of packaged experience that takes about 15 to 20 minutes to, to lead, uh, where mm-hmm. instead, let's have them explore. Let's let the students tap into some of those curated resources. And as you said, gravitate to the ones that they're interested in, uh, and then bring different background knowledge to their collaborative conversations. Yeah. And when it comes to exploring like that and you know, kind of giving students choice, one of the things that I hear from teachers is, but... If I let them kind of choose and explore like that, how do I assess it? How does it come down on like quizzes and tests and, you know, stuff like that? And I think the answer there is, A, you start to give some more sort of open-ended things where they can explain what it is that they've learned through their exploration. I think there's, there's some of that that you've got to do, you know, but, but really it's one of those things that kind of like lends itself to future engagement of the students. You know, like if you have something that you're actually interested in that you get to go look at, you know, that sort of starts to touch on a lot of the other activities that they might do later and everything. So I think, you know, hopefully we don't let something like that stand in the way of giving, of giving students choice. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that also kind of blends itself into uh, other building blocks there. So we've covered curiosity. We talked about choice. uh, And that harkens back to your conversation, I think, about assessment and students as creators and leveraging Mm -hmm. technology to kind of be in that space. And so, um, yeah, maybe we kind of continue to move through some of the building blocks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, The other one I was uh, I was starting to touch on this uh, just a little bit earlier, and that is um, collaboration. And I love, uh, so <laughs> it's funny, uh, the three building blocks that we're touching on are the three that Holly picked. I don't know how we ended up like leaving all my, well, we, and we can get to some of those too, but they, but the ones that Holly picked are really good and I have things to say about them too, you know, mm-hmm. but I love what she has to say about collaboration. Cause see, a lot of times I think of collaboration or I think sometimes we tend to think of collaboration as like group work. You know, let's go do some things in groups. And it certainly does work that way. But the way she described it, she was saying, you know, great collaboration happens when the product that you create, the work that you do is only possible when everybody's own unique talents are put to work in it. So it's almost like saying if you have a group of three kids this group and now this is this is like the ideal you know this is kind of like the the best possible version so uh getting here is not is not easy but you know sometimes we got to know what the ideal is so that we can plan what we want to do but it's almost like saying you've got these three kids and there's no way that what they created individually would measure up to what they created together as a group because everybody's contributing what they're what they're best at so I, I really love that as an as an example of, 
you know, what to strive for when it comes to collaboration. And I mean, if you think about real world connections here, lots of the lots of the companies that you read about in the in the news that are being profiled in media and everything they have super collaborative atmospheres. I mean, you know, like a lot of your Silicon Valley giants, they're able to, you know, Google's kind of an, an example of that where, you know, they're they're very collaborative. And if you try to ask somebody like, okay, here's this project. When this project gets done, like whose project was that? And they're like, everybody's <laughs> like, we, we all had something to do with it, you know? So whenever our, our classes start to emulate that a little bit, I think that that prepares kids for that world that they'll be living in. Yeah. And I, oh, to add to that too, cause this is kind of mm-hmm. conversation gets me really excited is mm-hmm. I love uh, when students get to come together and co-design a rubric so that they get grounded in the why and what's valued yeah. out of the product that they're collectively collaborating on. And that might not necessarily have to happen if it's more of a discussion. It could, depending on the degree you're going to uh, grade that. But if it's a product of sorts, uh, that's pretty amazing uh, to s- facilitate that type of an experience. Again, having that face-to-face in-person that's going to influence what they do, maybe in a digital space. So there's that blended piece. And then um, Michael Matera uh, actually will be on an upcoming podcast. He and I have been in nice. uh, conversation back and forth. So an idea from him, though, that it feels like it's very much in this vein. Uh, he talks about having students uh, put together almost like a mini resume. This would not be a full page. This would not be very sensitive, but just a, a list of skills relevant to the task at hand. And then almost yeah. assigning them something like you would see when you go into a shared Google doc where it's like anonymous liger or, right? <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, and, and having a team leader have to go through and sift out who should be on their squad, not because they're my friend or it's somebody that I like I'm seated next to or is on the basketball team with me, but because these are the individuals we need to, to do the task at hand uh, to the best of our abilities. And then you know your role and you can have those conversations that feel as you said, kind of Google-esque, right? Like this is really where workplace mm-hmm. and the, the future for our students, those types of experiences exist there. Absolutely. I think, and and just the simple fact that we're talking about designing the classroom to prepare kids for the workforce that they may enter into. You know, the, the one that they're going to enter into is very different than the one that, you know, you and I were entering into when we were graduating high school and college and all of that. And so, you know, I think, uh, and another thing that, that we talked about in, uh, the digital learning podcast is the, the idea of the creator economy. I don't know if you remember about, uh, mm-hmm. our, our discussion about that, but, you know, talking about how we have people in all different disciplines, you know, creating information products and creating creative products and digital products and, you know, like physical products and like, there, there's more opportunity to make things for people and make that part of your work than ever before. And so if that's the case, again, you know, we just talked about this with the collaborative side of things. Um, there's the creation side of things too. Right? And that's actually one of the six building blocks. See what I did there? Yeah, nice. <laughs> so um, whenever we have students creating with what they've learned, A, it does sort of prepare them for that creator economy, whether they go into that or not. Um, but it also lets them work with the content that they've learned, the skills that they're working on. It kind of lets them work with that and make something out of it. And, you know, that harkens right back to constructivism, you know, that idea of making meaning by 
making something. And it doesn't have to be something like physically, but if we can take those skills and take that information and make something new and novel out of it, that forces us to work with that information in different ways than just, you know, simple storing it in your brain and recalling it out of the brain. So creation is another another big part of that too, I think. Yeah. And I think that can tie back again. So many of these are Venn diagram <laughs> in terms yep. of overlap, but that it does certainly harken back to that curiosity conversation because, you know, I think whenever, uh, this is making me sound old. When I was growing up, you would hear folks say, well, I want to go on to be a sports star or, you know, some these other careers where now I feel like when I talk with students, it's, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a blogger. I want to be mm-hmm. a podcaster. I want to be and. I think those mm-hmm. are incredibly attainable within the discipline of education, within the uh, at a sure. bank, right at the yeah. in your local community center, uh, and so the interest is there on the behalf of learners. And I think that there's a practical justification for those skills, given the avenues through which those opportunities are available to uh, most folks in the workplace. Uh, And so I I really love that we're going down this road with regards to helping students figure out how to to enhance their skills in that creator space. Yeah, yeah. Two things on that. Number one, when it comes to some of those things that they want to do, and like you said, you hear, you know, I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a creator. I want to stream on Twitch. I want to be a TikTok influencer, you know, like all of that stuff. Number one, there are going to be lots of opportunities in the work world to use those types of skills, even if they aren't the, you know, like top 10 most subscribed to YouTube channel or, you know, if they don't have like thousands and thousands of people tuning into their Twitch streams and they're sponsored by big companies and everything, even if they're not there, there's still lots of companies that value the exact same skills that are going to sort of feel like that. So that's kind of exciting going to the future. Now, number two, let's pull it back in the classroom for a second. If we hear students saying that these are their goals, these are their dreams, these are their, these things that they want to do, we can kind of like repurpose that into learning in our classroom too, can't we? Because, you know, for instance, YouTubers, if they're going to make a video, first of all, making a video is creating we can sort of like repurpose the way that they plan. Well, how might a YouTuber plan a video? They might storyboard it, you know, having some images of what's what it's going to look like on the screen and the things that they're going to say and cover. Well, storyboarding like a YouTuber, we could storyboard things that we just learned. Um, even if we're not going to record a YouTube video or something at the level that those you know famous YouTubers are going to make, we could ask students to write or discuss. If a YouTuber was going to make a video about what we just learned, how could they do it in a really good way? So now we don't have to go through, we certainly could go through the time intensive work to create a nice video and share it with an audience of their classmates or the world. We could do that. Sometimes we don't have time to do that. So what if we just do the mental work of planning it as if they were? And that starts to scratch that same itch sometimes. And I think there's lots of different ways you can go with that. Um, Social media posts, you know, on my website, I've got all sorts of templates like Google Slides templates that feel like lots of different social media that students use. Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, they don't really use Facebook. That's like for you and me and not, not <laughs> them so much. But um, with all of those, if you start to you know, sort of like reframe 
your classroom activity, not as a written assignment, but as an Instagram story, you know, a series of like images and videos that starts to, again, scratch that same itch of kids that are what kids are excited about. Um, if anybody's listening to this, by the way, uh, you can get all of those Google Slides templates, like those free templates for slides and PowerPoint and everything. You can get them on my website at ditchthattextbook.com slash templates. Or you could just search for ditch that textbook templates and you'll find that too. So, uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, that it's like, it's kind of exciting that if that's what they're excited about, there are ways that we can bring that into the classroom. Yeah. And I w- would add to that too, that if you're an educator that feels like your personal lack of experience in those spaces causes you trepidation about inviting your students to be able to produce a product like that, right? Because mm-hmm. there is that, well, I haven't taught them how to do this. And so mm-hmm. I don't, and I'm not sure I can support them. And if there are questions, what what am I to do? Uh, I one, I mean, I would encourage you to reach out. You know, there's a, a, obviously a myriad of resources to try to help grow in those spaces. But I, I don't think we always have to be the expert. And I, don't, I would even point back to something we referenced earlier with an explore board. What if you were to somehow find a, a number of resources that can explain it a lot better than you? It seems relevant to what you're talking about and is school appropriate. Put all those together someplace. And if you want to make a video, go check out the explore board of YouTube videos, blogs, and websites that will help support you in growing in that space. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think to to sort of piggyback on that, we don't always have to be the experts in what we want students to do. It's always good. I think I think as teachers, we want to make sure that we're solid and we can answer any question that comes our way. But when we do that, we sort of rob our students the opportunity to wrestle with it themselves and to be able to go find those answers themselves too. Um, That also sort of like puts us in limbo of, yeah, but what if they can't find the answers? What if they're totally stuck? What if they get frustrated? What if they, you know, like there's that tension. And I think if we're willing to live with a little bit of that tension, we can end up doing some great things. Really, you know, there's, there's a body of research that talks about the power of productive struggle. You know, that idea that if students are wrestling with something and they don't totally get it at first, by the time that they eventually do figure it out, some of that learning sticks longer in their long-term memory than if it was, you know, easy and just came to them right away. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that, I think. Wow. And again, as these all double back, we talked about curiosity leading to resiliency. And so, yeah, that mm-hmm. productive struggle, productive, whatever I've heard it called too, which is really fun. <laughs> A uh, fun word to share out. Well, I uh, I would love to continue to go through our list here, Matt. But uh, as I say, each and every week, 30 minutes goes uh, incredibly fast. And so I would like to make a little space at the end of today's episode to maybe just kind of ask, what are some of the upcoming topics uh, that folks, I mean, obviously we're in the vein of blended learning here, but uh, as we look to future episodes of your show, what learning can we anticipate? Yeah. So we've got a variety of things uh, coming up in November. I was telling uh, Andrew before we started recording, here's a little behind the scenes, peek behind the curtain. Um, Holly and I batch record uh, several of these uh, podcast episodes at once. So we have most of November already recorded and into December. So some of the things we're going to talk about, (laughs) I know we're going to talk about because we already have talked about them. We're going to get into uh, what assessment looks like in blended learning classrooms. You know, so ways that you can upgrade your digital assessments so you can use some of those quizzing tools 
and use them effectively. One thing that we didn't even talk about, Andrew, that I was kind of had in the back of my mind just in case, and maybe we can do this on a future episode or something, is the idea that sometimes I think as teachers, we think of technology as a way to make us more efficient and save us time. And there's some some value in that, but I think whenever we do everything in the effort of saving time, we miss out on, you know, some of those greater learning opportunities. So that makes me think of, you know, there are some tools out there like Kahoot and Quizzes and Quizlet and some of those practice tools that can help us to assess. And in episode six, in fact, which I think is going to be the next episode that comes out after this one that we're recording right now, um, we dig into some ways to make the most of those tools so that you are leveraging meaningful learning, but also maybe saving yourself a little bit of time too. So lots of stuff coming up, creative lesson ideas for the end of the semester and on and on. So uh, if anybody's interested in checking this out, you can go to digitallearningpodcast.com to subscribe. Or, you know, of course, you can just go to your own podcast player and search for Digital Learning Podcast, and uh, you should be able to find something. Gosh, I am fascinated a little bit about that idea. And could we call it like the juxtaposition of efficiency and deep learning and that time, it plays a factor in how we navigate Mm -hmm. the space between those two. Yeah. And I think that they can live together. I think that they can coexist, but I think that you can start to sacrifice one for the other. And I see it the other direction too. Sometimes, mm-hmm. and I've been guilty of this myself, sometimes I will sacrifice efficiency in my own sanity for building this thing that I've created in my brain that I want to do. And so you kind of get to figure out where you fall on the balance, on the continuum of all of that, I think. Yeah, love that. And I would yeah, hopefully we get a chance to chat about that at some point in the future. Yeah. But I will say for today, I am, as always, grateful, Matt, for your time and for you sharing out just some amazing ideas, pointing people to resources. Uh, I will take a quick second to say that when it comes to podcasts, and I love promoting good ideas wherever we can find them, uh, it does really help if you like, follow, share, leave a comment. Those things really help conversations reach other people. And so I uh, would invite anyone listening in to the degree that you enjoyed today's conversation and uh, Matt and Holly's podcast as well. Please uh, feel free to leave a rating or review on there would be amazing in support of these efforts. And so Matt, yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation uh, about blended learning. Hey, I love talking to education with you, Andrew. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks.